Welcome in to the Free Retiree Show, where we help you transform your life so you become financially free. In this show, we'll give you the inside track on how to excel in your career, filter out the noise surrounding your finances to help you make smart financial decisions, and we'll learn from thought and business leaders who can help you live your best life. Welcome into another episode of the Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside Silicon Valley's finest Silicon Valley attorney, Matt McElroy. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. I'm ready, I'm ready to talk about COVID. Yes, yes, yes. So we got a great episode lined up for you guys today. Today, we're going to be talking about COVID and its impact in the legal world. As you guys all know, COVID has greatly impacted all of our lives, and it's put us in a world where there's more liability. People are getting sued over things. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how it's impacted you know, the legal system, and we're going to shed some light on the things that people are getting sued over. You want to know. You want to hear about this. You want to understand this. So Matt's got a great episode lined up. Matt, what are you going to be talking about today? Uh, we're just going to give some insight on how the courts are operating and if you do have a lawsuit what are attorneys doing given the obstacles that they're facing with covid and uh then we're going to go into some detail and talk about what lawsuits are on the table now from covid i mean it's going to open up kind of a a whole new area of law because there's not really anything that's ever gone on like this to compare it to really so it's gonna be interesting yeah some interesting questions here um i'm gonna ask matt what happens if you throw a party and people come over. What happens if you're in the workplace? So there's a lot of interesting things. What if you uh, spit on someone or get in someone's face? What's There's so many different issues in this new world that we're living in. And I'm excited to pick Matt's brain and understand more about what's going on. But before we get into the show, Matt, I got to ask you a question because Career advisor Sergio Patterson and I, a couple episodes back, we asked the same question to each other and put it out there. So it's only fair that we put a little light on you in terms of uh, this question. So the question is, during COVID, what, since we're all spending more time with our significant other in the household, what is that one new annoying thing that you've noticed about your spouse? And this won't get you in trouble at all because I know Sloane's super cool. She's going to laugh this off, so don't even worry. Yeah, just like a million red flags go up with this question. <laughs> you know, I, I, would, I would love you to uh, summarize your and Sergio's answers because I'm, I'm sure they were great. I'm sure you guys gave some pretty edgy answers. So for ours, I said that the thing I've noticed about my wife that annoys the heck out of me since COVID is I noticed how abruptly she opens our front door. So she takes Jackson out to go to the bathroom every few hours. And then she barges in like my police. I'm, I'm in a drug raid or something like the police are just coming to get me. And it startles me every time. Uh, Sergio's answer was his uh, wife doesn't charge her phone enough. And for some odd reason that annoys the heck out of him. So what is it for you and Sloan? Well, let me first start state with that. Those were both very safe answers. And Oh, um, get out of here. <laughs> I, I think they were guided mainly by fear because <laughs> opening doors and charging phones, really? Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> allow me to give a right. real answer here. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Um, okay. All right, big guy. All right. No, I, I would say it's just probably uh, since we're both home all the time, there's a, there's a higher expectation for me to uh, participate in the household duties cooking, cleaning, dishes, 
things of uh, that kind of nature. And I'm not saying she's wrong, but I'm not saying I like it either. So <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. Is, probably, is that how you really that's, feel? That's, that's, yeah, that's how I really feel. That's my, that's my non-safe answer because I'm not scared. Uh, okay. All right. All right. All right. I don't know. I think there's, I sensed a little fear in your voice. There was a little, there was a little, little fear in there, but it's okay. No, I don't think Sloan listens to this, <laughs> so I think I'm okay. <laughs> All right. All right, so we're going to be going to the break, but when we're back, we're talking about COVID-19 impact in the legal world, what things we should all be aware about. Stay tuned. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. Today, we're talking about COVID-19 and its impact on the legal world. We are all living in a new, odd, confusing time, and that is all basically due to COVID. So today we're talking, what is the impact on the legal world? What are the lawsuits that are popping up? Things that people are getting sued for. With COVID-19, we live in a world with much more risk and liability, and that's something we all need to be aware about. So... We have Silicon Valley's favorite attorney, Matt McElroy, to give us a little insight on that. Matthew, tell us, what are you seeing? Well, you know, let's let's start off with what's going on with the courts. Initially, when the, all the shelter in place and everything started, the courts, they shut down too. And they were shut down. I mean, each county, we're, we're in, we practice in a few different counties and, and all of them kind of opened up a little different, but around the same time, I would say May, June, and uh, kind of resumed doing things. Now, the way that it's like a kind of a new world for attorneys, we, we don't go to court anymore. All our appearances are done by telephone or Zoom. They're, they're discouraging people from actually coming into court. And uh, it's just, you have to kind of step up and get a hold of the new technology. And there, there's just a lot of cool things out there now. Like, for instance, when I, I did a deposition two weeks ago, we did it through Zoom. So, Matt, what sort of things have you been seeing? Well, let's, let's start first with how did the courts react to this pandemic? When the shelter-in-place orders went into effect, the courts closed too. Even though they were deemed essential, they, because of fear of COVID, they don't want the judges or the clerks or any other staff to get it. So they shut down too. And that kind of was weird because that's never happened. That's unprecedented in the legal world. I, that's especially for the couple months that it did. And so all the counties, are they're pretty much back open, but a lot of them aren't resuming jury trials yet. Because it's like, how are you going to get all the jurors in the same room? And it's you know, there's just a lot of risks and things that they're going to have to kind of try to tackle with technology. And for the most part, they're doing it. They've actually implemented some emergency rules that allow depositions to go forward by video. And that's never been done before. And I've actually taken a couple of depositions already by video. And it's, it's a pretty cool process. And, you know, honestly, I, I like it a lot more because I can take a deposition from my house when normally you got to be face-to-face with that person asking questions, it gets heated. and It's a much more comfortable environment. So I'm taking advantage of these emergency rules and trying to get as many depositions out of the way as I can. It, it's weird. You see, you see a lot of resistance to this technology, like Zoom and court call, which is what lawyers use to call into the courts and appear by telephone. And uh, a lot of the resistance comes from the older crowd. And uh, it's going to be weird because I feel like it's, all these things are going to become the new normal and it's, are they going to catch up? We'll see. Okay. So Matt, we have uh, 
some questions that people have uh, sent us about this new environment that we're in. And I know that this is not legal advice, but we just like to you we just like you to give us some clarity on what's going on and the issues that we should be thinking about. So one common thing, this new norm is just being in the workplace, right? If you are an employee working for said employer, what's the risk there? What's the legal issues that we should think about? Well, yeah, that kind of brings us into our, like, I guess that's our next topic of what kind of lawsuits are we going to see? I mean, that's probably going to be one of the most, or the subjects that have the most depth. Let's think about it. Like, what if you get sick at work? What if you have symptoms and you get fired for having symptoms or laid off because you're targeted because you have those symptoms and whatnot and they don't know how long. No, no, there's so many unknowns with this virus. So like they have to lay off people. What if they're picking the people they know have COVID and laying them off, targeting them, whatever you want to call it could happen. What about if you can't work because you have to care for a family member or children? You know, what if your family member's sick? You know, what if your children can't go to school or daycare because all the closures of COVID can't go to work, obviously. What if you're laid off? What if your hours are cut? What if you're forced to take this really long leave of absence with no pay? Right now, unemployment's there, and it's kind of putting a Band-Aid on it for everybody, but that's that's going to go away, and that's only going to last so long. And, uh, I mean, and then, like, the big question, I think, for a lot, I probably everybody that is still working out there is, what do you do if you're scared to go back to work because you don't want to get sick? What if you're like, hey, my employer's opening, they want me to work, but they're not really that safe. Like, I don't think that they're following the safest practices. I don't feel like anything they're doing is scientifically proven. What am I just supposed to go to work and take the chance? And so there's a lot of people that feel that way where they're like, hey, I'm scared. And I I think rightfully so. Well, I would say as an employee, can you, out of fear of your own safety, say, hey, I don't think this is a good time for me to work. And then say the company says, well, you're you don't want to come to work. We're going to fire you. Like, is there, can the employee, can the employer fire someone for that? Or is that something where like, Hey, it's medical reasons. You should be okay from being terminated. For well, that right. Reason. And that, and that's kind of a, that's kind of an unanswered question here because this is this coronavirus is it's no, nothing like it, what it does and how easily it's transmitted. And it's just, I don't, I don't think that's a question that you can fully answer because I think that's one that's going to probably get figured out by the courts with all these lawsuits that are going to come up. They're going to have to take a, they're going to have to draw a line in the sand somewhere of what's acceptable and what's not. And I think that that we'll see that done soon in the case law that comes out from this. Let's look at it from the employer standpoint, right? The employer is saying, Hey, we live in this weird and crazy time. I want to protect myself from these sort of lawsuits. If someone if you run a business and say that person that your your employee contracts it while operating the business, what sort of fault would be on the employer or was, is there any, is there any legal repercussions since the employee got it while working at said employer and you know, does it make a difference if the employer took extra steps? I think a lot of business owners are thinking like, well, If I show I'm taking extra steps, like putting out hand sanitizer, making every sure everyone wears masks, there's a question of like, what can these employers do to prove that they're not negligent now? Because I think in this new norm, if an employer 
opens up shop and says, hey, no one's wearing a mask. I don't want you wearing masks because I want everyone to smile and show the customer that they're they're happy and we don't have hand sanitizer because we don't believe in that. Could there be a potential for legal liability? I think that it's the whole situation is just loaded for legal liability, right? And I don't think there is like a a correct answer I can give of like, hey, what can an employer do? Because I think that that's probably going to get decided through these cases that come up. I don't think that, because it's like, the only thing I can say, and it's, you know, obviously it's not legal advice, but it's like the best thing to do usually is follow the best practices. And it's like, if you're telling people not to wear a mask because you want to see smile, that's just dumb. It's going against what scientists and everything is saying out there right now. So I think you'd be exposing yourself huge to liability in that situation. And then as far as what they can do, if they're, if they are following those best practices is like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Is, is even just being open for business? Is that, is that negligent in itself? What kind of business are you? You know, what are you doing? What is that person's role? There's so many questions that you'd have to have answered and it would be, you know, it'd be different in every circumstances. So I think that it's, it's almost impossible to answer questions like that because it just really breaks down to the specifics of each situation. Yeah. There's no bulletproof answer, I guess, in this new world that we live in, but do you think it's better for people to be operating more cautiously or should they just kind of continue as they did before? I mean, is, does it make sense for, and like I said, this is not legal advice, but if, does it make more sense for employers to operate differently based in this new world of COVID? Should they be showing that they're trying to reduce the liability or does it not even matter? I think that, the best advice I could give any employer that's looking to protect themselves is they should go and consult with an employment attorney. And there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. A lot of these attorneys and the good ones anyway, that are really into employment law, they're staying up with everything. And there's a lot of video conferences and things that are still going on and they can advise them as to what the current best practices are, which is what you want. And then also too, is that if they ever get sued by anybody and they were following the attorney's advice, they have a defense called advice of counsel because, Hey, I, I, I tried to do the best I could. I just listened to my attorney and oh, it, that's it's great advice. weird, right? Cause I'm just, <laughs> you're just casting all the, the, the blame on the attorney, but that's the reality of the situation, right? It's like, Hey, I tried to do the very best I could. I got advice from a professional. This is what they told me. I don't know what else I could have done. And, and it's not always going to be a foolproof thing, but it definitely looks good in that kind of situation. You know what I mean? If you're trying to exhaust Yeah, because all. it shows that you at least tried to do the right thing. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that goes a really long way in these kind of situations. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Good to know that. Yeah, I mean, and you know. Now and let's I go think talk the, about. Well, hold on. Before we leave the employment law section, I, I want to say the big question, right? The big overview of all this whole employment scheme, where I think a lot of the, the legal disputes are going to happen is when employers go and retaliate against an employee for exercising their rights. Like, hey, I don't want to come to work. I'm scared. Hey, I'm sick. I can't come to work. When they go and fire you because of that, then that's going to be some crazy liability that's going to get decided by the courts probably pretty soon. That's the thing is lawsuits can take years. So it could be a couple of years before we actually see case law come out. But it's going to be interesting. There's going to be, there's really going to be, I think employment law is going to be really crazy the next couple of years. Yeah. So I think it sounds like if you're an employer, think long and hard about, you know, firing someone for not coming to work because of their fear <laughs> or uh, this new environment. 
No, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, go, go ask an attorney. <laughs> That's the best way to protect. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> so let's talk about a little bit of the personal things that are coming up with COVID. Obviously, you know, we've all been sheltered in place for a long time. People are itching to have parties, have, throw get togethers. And it made me think about like, well, man, if we throw a party, we have a bunch of people over. Naturally, you got more people congregating in a small place. I think the odds are higher that people can get COVID in that sort of environment. What if they do? As someone that's just throwing a party, no intent to get people sick, but that happens. Like, is that something to, is that a legitimate fear right now for people? Well, something I they mean, should be I, concerned about or not? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be throwing house parties. I think it's kind of dumb, right? But I mean, you have to look at it like, I guess the the lens to look at it would be like, hey, is this, is this are they negligent by throwing this party, right? And then there, there's kind of two sides to the to the story there. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I would say that they are negligent. And then also, if you think about the, there, there's this like little, I guess you can call it like a little spinoff nuance, whatever you want to call it, wrinkle to negligence called negligence per se. And that's when you're in violation of a statute or ordinance or something like that, where it's, there's some kind of statute that gives direction on what they call the standard of care, what people should be exercising for reasonable standard of care. And uh, I think there's a lot of things out right now that's saying like, you can't have gatherings over whatever, or, you know, people that you don't live with, and, you know, it's not in every county or state, but they're out there. So if somebody's violating that by having a party, I think that just opens the door for that kind of argument. Right. And then just in general, even if you don't have a statute, I think given all the stuff that's going on that you see in the news and the, the skyrocketing coronavirus cases, it's, I, I just think it would be a very open argument to make that, you know, somebody's negligent by having a lot of people that they don't live with at their house for a party. And then, but then you have to look at the flip side, right? It, what about those people attending the party? They see the news, they know what's going on. What are they just, you know, yeah. they're not innocent here. And, and then that presents a defense called the assumption of risk And like, are basically, are they assuming the risk by attending that party? They know what's up. They see all the reports saying that you got to wear masks and social distance and don't go to parties and gatherings and all that stuff. So there's two sides. And then, and then the trial gets put on in front of the jury and the jury decides who's more at fault. Hopefully it doesn't get there. Hopefully they settle before. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it, yeah. It, you know, you're going to see that. I, I, I guarantee you're going to probably see cases where people are suing somebody because either a family member died or got COVID and gave it to all these other people in their family or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, there's just, there's, there's a lot of possibilities. So, man, I had an interesting thought about what COVID-19 was and how the legal system would look at it in terms of like potential harm. Do you think there will be a legal argument made that it is the same as like a weapon? The same as like if you brandished a knife or a, a gun, do you think that will ever be an argument that's made or do you think that's too far-fetched? Oh, no, I don't think that's far-fetched at all. I think, I mean, I, I you know, that's a criminal law question. I, I don't ever go to that realm but i think that that's an argument that can be made i mean it can be made civil in a civil context they could probably make a claim for intentional infliction of emotional distress by infecting them and getting them sick it's outrageous conduct that's meant to injure them i I, oh wow you could sue them but then it's like criminal context i don't know is it assault is it a could it be like given the death rate and how many people die of complications can you have an attempted murder in there or I, I don't know I that would be more of a question for a criminal attorney but I would think that door is open yeah so because uh we had a question that someone had asked 
Adam from Modesto, he mentioned, you know, what if you intentionally cough on someone or spit on someone? Is that now something that then you're an asshole, right? (laughs) (laughs) You're definitely an asshole. But but does that is it now does it look that is like is it the same thing as if you brandished a weapon on someone? Could you make do you think that would be a legal argument someone could Yo, you mean like in the context of like assault with a deadly weapon? I mean I I don't know. I I would that that's definitely a crim law question. You'd have to get into the the nuances of what they mean by weapon in the, in the statute and whether that can be something like a virus. I don't know. That's, I mean, it's creative, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely think you could make it in the civil context, but maybe an assault argument in crim law. I don't know. Attempted murder. Who knows? The thing is if, if somebody died from it, from intentionally doing that in the person, like it was a planned thing and they thought, even if it wasn't planned, I guess they died from it. I would think you might be able to be charged with murder. I, I don't know. Wow. Just think about it. Think, think, think if, if, you know, <laughs> a, a person goes and spits on somebody that's elderly, right? And then they get complications and die from it. It's not assault anymore because that person died. That would be murder. And I don't know. I don't know how that would look. I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. You know what I mean? Somebody, somebody makes that mm-hmm. kind of claim or some DA brings that claim against somebody. We'll, uh, we'll have to see. Now, what about if someone has COVID? Do they need to disclose that they had it? or have it. One thing that I thought about is my brother-in-law, he ended up getting COVID. He's perfectly fine now. He was really smart in what he did. He put himself in a trailer for, after he found that he had it, he put himself in a trailer, I think for a couple weeks and made sure he wasn't in contact with anyone until the virus went away. What if people have it and they're saying, ah, I don't feel symptomatic. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want people to treat me like I'm a leper and I want to still do my thing. I want to go out there and live my life let this thing pass. Is there any issues with them not saying that they have this virus or not? Maybe not even if they had it even like say a couple months ago and they don't mention it. Is, is there any legal issues there that you see? First off, they're not telling people they're probably a bad person. <laughs> That's pretty selfish. <laughs> and I mean, I, legal issues. I don't know. I mean, cause you know, if it's been a couple months, from what I understand, it's like they probably can't transfer it or anything. So it's like, do they really need to tell people that they had it a few months ago if they're not contagious anymore? I, I doubt it. But I mean, who knows? I mean, legal aspect, I, who knows? But as far as like, well, what you about know, if, if they have it, it currently? Somebody, that's yeah. Then I mean, like, that's just that's horrible, right? I mean, because then it's like you're just you're just worsening the problem. And I mean, legally, who knows? I mean, yeah, of course, you'd think that there's probably going to be some repercussion to those kind of people. Okay. If somebody goes and does that, like, what the f***? <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> Obviously, these are these are things that I would not do or you would not do. We're just kind of whatever. Uh, just a disclaimer. The Fury Tyree show does not intend to do any yeah, of no, these where, things. Where, so. Like, where are our questions coming from? <laughs> where are you getting these questions? These are just random... Random questions from random people that things that were on their mind. And, you know, like, you know, we don't know enough about COVID and it's so new. So, yeah, these are all legitimate questions. Well, it sounds like our listeners just want to go and infect people by not telling them that they have <laughs> symptoms or spitting on them. I don't know. But... <laughs> it's kind of concerning. These are just interesting thoughts. Interesting what if thoughts. Interesting what what if that happened, right? But I think it's all good to know. So, yeah, Matt, is there any other things that you want to close with? Any other? Well, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of other areas, right? There's medical malpractice. I mean, what about all these doctors that are handling it wrong? 
that don't put them on a ventilator soon enough or don't treat it soon enough or send somebody home that had COVID symptoms. It's just, it's a completely new virus that nobody's dealt with. You know, there's going to be issues and I'm sure there's going to be malpractice. Or what if a, what if a doctor uses hydroxychloroquine, like uh, President Trump suggests, and that person dies from that and taking it, you know what I mean? That's malpractice. And it's like, there's so many different ways that this is going to mess up the medical world. There's so much unknown and uncertain with it that it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. I bet I, doctors are probably so scared right now. <laughs> not, not just a Corona, but lawsuits as well. And then also too, in the real estate world, I mean, what, what we're seeing in a you know, in our cases is sometimes buyers don't want to go through, through the transaction because of this market, who knows what's going to happen in the market, right? A lot of like, for one, a lot of people are getting kind of like a forbearance on their mortgages right now where they're not having to pay and it's getting tacked on to the end of the loan. What happens when that stops and they can't pay their mortgage? And we're going to have foreclosures, we're going to have REO sales, short sales, and it's going to be possibly like a 2007, eight repeat, you know, maybe worse. I don't know. The real estate market hasn't felt because right now it's still low inventory and houses are still selling relatively quickly, but that doesn't mean that it's okay. I still feel like the full effect has not even been close to felt yet on the market. We're seeing a lot of deposit disputes. And then also too, like think about all these businesses that can't open, right? Like they can't open, they can't function commercial leases. This attorney that I'm working with, he's co-counsel in, in a case that we have in the 6th District Court of Appeals, his name's Myron Moskowitz. He wrote an amazing article in the Day Journal. I believe it came out, I think May 5th, 2020. And uh, he sent it to me, I read it. I was, And, and it kind of does like a, a big analysis on commercial leases and things like that and just contracts in general given the obstacles that coronavirus is going to present and it it was really kind of creative and uh, I, I liked what he did in that the way that we work as lawyers is that we try to find things that are similar in the case law to compare to our the set of facts that we have and here with the coronavirus we there's there's nothing comparable to that right it's it's never there's nothing like mm-hmm. this has really happened in the, in the legal world and whatnot so he, what he did was he went and he took court cases that happened in the 40s from the World War and when right after Japan attacked uh, Pearl Harbor and it, uh, the whole thing with Germany and all that. So it was just like he, he, he took these cases where similar types of shutdowns were imposed and he sees how the courts dealt with the, tra- uh, the contracts in, those, in the context of that. And now it's not entirely similar, but the arguments do translate well. And I thought it was really cool. And, uh, think his article is probably going to end up getting cited in some kind of court papers at some point because his arguments are really really cool they're really good yeah i mean it's it's kind of cool like i can kind of give you an idea one of the cases he goes over it's uh, called lloyd v mercy murphy a 1944 case and in that case the tenant was a beverly hills car salesman and he signed a five-year lease and so he signed the lease in august i think it was like yeah it was august 4th 1941 and then the japanese attacked pearl harbor December 7th, 1941, about three months later. And then that led to the U.S. declaring war. And then on January 1st, 1942, not less than 30 days after Japan attacked, the feds put a new order out saying that no cars could be sold. No new cars could be sold. So the auto companies were, because they wanted them to direct their production to tanks and military stuff like that. And so the tenant can no longer sell new cars. He goes in, in March he 1942 he, he repudiated his lease which just means he said i can't do it and he's, the landlord ended up suing him the tenant said 
he presented a, an argument in contract law called frustration of purpose. And that just basically says that an unforeseen event impeded his purpose of the contract, kind of, and kind of say it in plain English. And the court said that his hardship wasn't that bad. It wasn't extreme enough to get him out of the contract. And they gave two reasons. The first one said it was foreseeable. Hey, the war, there was informally fighting with Germany for a year before that. There, it was all over the news. Everybody knew about it. There was no secret that war was coming. So it, it, was, just, it was commonly known. And then later in January 1942, soon after the, the Fed did that order, they, revi- they modified the order. And they allowed new car sales to military personnel and to anybody with a, what they called a preferential rating. So they, he was able to sell some cars. And, and then he, he presented some evidence at, at trial that said that his business was 90% new car sales and then 10% from gasoline sales. So the court said, hey, your, your business, you can sell some cars and you can still sell gasoline. Your business isn't completely frustrated. You, you can still operate. And so therefore your contract's not frustrated. And so they, they basically rejected his argument. It, you know, I think this is significant with coronavirus because you see all these people and it's like, let's, let's take a restaurant, for instance, and they get this new lease. And I mean, the two questions I say is, hey, when did they sign the lease? If they signed it in January of this year, then they're going to have a hard argument because coronavirus was already being labeled as a pandemic in China. It was talked about coming over. We had cases in the U.S. It was known, you know what I mean? Similar to the way that the car dealer knew about the world war was coming so that there's that argument. And then if it was entered into before, obviously that argument doesn't exist before January. But then also too, like a restaurant, can they still operate? Look, a lot of these restaurants are, are taking off through takeout. They're doing, some of them are doing more business than when they were just in. And so are you able to still function? And it just really, uh, each case is going to be different, but it, I, I just really liked how he went and he took the old cases and kind of brought them into the the new circumstance. I thought it was, it was just a really cool analysis. And if anybody has some time, they should definitely check out that article. It's called The Virus on Appeal by uh, Myron Moskowitz. And I just looked up the date again. It, it is May 5th, 2020 on the Daily Journal. So yeah, check it out. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for that great information. You gave a lot of uh, clarity on a really uh, difficult subject. So we appreciate that. Any of you guys have any questions for Matt, make sure you send it to ask at thefreeretiree.com. He's a wealth of knowledge. He can help clear up any sort of uh, questions that are on your mind. So that's all for today. Thank you for tuning in with us. You've been listening to The Free Retiree Show. See you next week. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed with the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. The free retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson and Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Security America companies. Securities America Incorporated, Security America Advisors, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. 
Third-party sourced information comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of Facebook Incorporated. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.